0: Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor.
1: Hey there, folks. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I get to talk with Brittany Burns. And in our conversation, we talk about communication. We talk about risk management. We talk about you know opportunities as a leader to be more effective working with your team. It was a super fun conversation. Be sure to stick around to the end where we give a plug for an amazing organization in the Virginia area uh, in sport. But I really hope you enjoy it. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today, Brittany Burns, who is the CEO of Simpler Trading. Brittany, how's it going today?
2: Good, good. Thanks for having me, Anthony.
1: I'm excited to chat. I love your background. I love what your company does. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what Simpler Trading does?
2: Sure. So um, Simpler Trading is a retail education platform And so our focus is to help the individual investor participate in the financial markets. Uh, We are currently heavily focused on the options and futures space. That's a bit of a result of just our founder and and his experience in past, but we are very quickly uh, diversifying and moving into new asset classes like equities and into new markets such as foreign markets and exchanges.
1: Cool. I got that. And so what I'm curious about is, you know, your background is as an attorney by trade, I believe, and then moving into uh, an industry that uh, can be dicey at times. That's going to be my nice way of explaining it. Um, how has the transition from, I call it practitioner to corporate development, to leading this organization been for you? And what are you hoping to bring to your organization and kind of like the, the world as a whole, I guess?
2: Sure yeah so um did start out as uh, an still a licensed attorney in Virginia um no longer practicing initially following law school and actually while I was in law school, I focused in financial regulation. so I previously worked with a fintech startup in Richmond Virginia that was in the BD space um, and then I moved over to a investment advisory firm and then came to simpler um, had a period between, my post uh, law, law school career and coming to simpler where I was consulting for about two years and really found a lot of enjoyment in helping companies to identify their risk box and understand how to navigate through the complexities of being either a regulated company or oftentimes a regulated adjacent company. So, for Simpler, we are focused in the education space. We fall under the Publishers Exemption of the 40 Act. But being next to um, regulated industries like investment advisors and um, being regulated by the FTC, like any consumer facing uh, company, um, we just face different challenges. And I connected with Simpler in 2017. And initially was helping them to navigate the implications of GDPR on their organization and helping them to understand really where their risk uh, lied, given that they were only marketing in the United States, had very, very minimal customers in contact with people in the European Union. And so helping them to understand what the absolute best practice, no uh, risk and, and no exposure um, would look like, and then also moving into okay, what is what does your business need to do to protect yourself in the best way that's still feasible for the size of the company? And as I was doing that, I really got to know the founder and, and really just saw a lot of um, opportunity within the organization, but there's also a lot of challenges on the horizon. I couldn't have predicted twenty twenty and everything that we um sort of went through that year. But what where I think we're uniquely positioned and where the legal background is, serves our company really well is the absolute hyperbolic growth in the tr- retail trading space that was really initially ignited by a move to zero percent commissions and then amplified by Covid, has drawn more scrutiny from regulators. And so, we are really well positioned to be a thought leader in this space and to really help regulators define regulation that both supports individual investors so that they can still have access to the markets, but also protects consumers who may have been exposed to some predatory practices in the past. And so being able to tie that legal experience in with the actual application from a business perspective has been really fun and, and challenging, and I think it provides a lot of opportunity for us. As well as anybody else in a space where regulation is starting to come into into their space, and it can become a business burden, but it can also become a huge opportunity for a lot of companies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if we take uh, continue down that path and think of you as an individual, like kind of outside of simpler, if we think of, I heard a couple key things, kind of like really that that risk mitigation, risk management. The the complexities of regulation and a lot of our listeners are either uh, there's not profits, there's municipalities, there's government, there's education where they don't control everything. And then I think one of the areas that I I believe you're good at is that communication piece. Like, how do you navigate that both from a, a personal piece, but also like communicating that? So imagine you know, we're at a party, and I say, "Tell me about the coolest thing about your job. Where do you have the most fun? Where does your like problem solving brain go when you're in your flow state? What is that, and what do you want our listeners to know about kind of being able to manage that world successfully?"
2: Yeah, I think it is really a lot like a puzzle. Um, you know, whether you're regulated or not, you have a you have a risk box as a um, as a company and as a leader in a company, and understanding the goals of whoever's placing that risk on you. So it could be a regulator, it could be a, um, you might have a dependency on a vendor or uh, a lot of people are impacted by the, um, you know, ability to get materials and in 2020 and 2021. And so I think that it's understanding sort of where your risks are coming from and, and understanding how to navigate the company in a way that is covering as much exposure as possible, but understanding that, covering all exposure is not always in the best interest of the business. And so there's always, my legal background, I think, always has led me to go first to what is the, quote, perfect way to cover all exposure. And uh, many times the cost uh, can outweigh, you know, really what your risk is. I think that regulators can be most times reasonable when you're willing to, you know, collaborate and understand what they're trying to achieve, and um, there's like I mentioned, a lot of opportunity too, and that can be fun when you're looking at competitors who you know maybe wouldn't be able to navigate this regulatory challenge. And so w- uh, that that puzzle piecing and figuring out, like, okay, where is the most exposure? What, from a business perspective, is feasible to cover that exposure, and where do we feel like we maybe don't need as much coverage because if it were if the exposure were to be um, Further, expose the impact would not be worth the cost of coverage. And so that that's always fun. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the the most fun part of my job or what I get most excited about. I think it's what my background and skill set lends me to help our company grow. What really gets me out of bed in the morning is the ability to help educate our customers with a skill, like a life skill that can really help them to have the confidence to take control of their financial future. And it's something that has intimidated me in the past. I have always leaned more towards the legal and political career paths. So finance has always been one of those things that I think a lot of people back away from. And to be able to open up that opportunity for for customers, that's what really excites me. And to keep expanding into new areas so we can meet uh, traders and investors wherever they're at on their journey, it's a really great opportunity.
1: Oh, I actually see it quite as a a parallel, because on one hand, what I heard is like, you know, that bringing to organizations and and that there's no perfect way. So it's managing your risk, hedging your risk and, and looking at what is feasible, what is possible and, you know, making sure that the investment that you put in matches the kind of return and doing your best without being overkill. And then I hear on the education side, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're helping traders mitigate their risk. You're giving them more confidence by understanding what they're getting into. And by being a good, uh, by understanding the levers of the financial markets, you de-risk yourself. And then you're not gambling. You're actually saying, hey, I'm making a calculated risk, a calculated investment in this organization because I see upside potential. And I find in my experience, when I'm totally out of my depth, that's when I'm scared. When I at least have enough knowledge, I say, okay, I'm confident understanding what I'm getting into. That helps me uh, be more prepared. And I also find the same thing in in people and leadership development is that it's scary to lead people. It's scary to be able to support. And, and, you know, especially as you move from, I don't know, in your case, CMO to, to CEO it's a step, but if you're educated, you have the support, you have the resources, it's all just risk management and the upside generally outweighs the downside. Thoughts on the parallel and then how that applies to your specific journey?
2: No, I I love it, Anthony. You said it way more articulately than um, I did. And so I think it, I never uh, thought about it in that exact way, but yeah, the, the risk management really is, like I said, not, not, limited to whether you have a regulatory risk or any sort of outside, you know, risk or reliance, it's internal as well. It's mitigating the risk of putting in place a new policy and how that's going to impact your employees and how they're going to react. And we're not in as employers in a environment where recruiting is easy and retaining talent is easy. And so you really have to stand out from, you know, other, organizations that are looking for the strong talent that you've developed within your organization or that you've been able to recruit. And so every decision that we make, I've always had a really uh, large focus on our employee culture and communication is one of my personal core values, but also one of our core values as a company. I place a heavy emphasis on communication and trying to be as transparent as possible while, of course, mitigating risk of transparency to, to employees because, um, as I'm sure all the leaders on your that listen to your show know, um, too much transparency can also be a risk um, if it's not well understood within the organization. But I think that risk mitigation does carry through to our personal you know, offering as a company, but... Really, as a leader, it's um, what you're constantly balancing both internally with your employees and then externally with any sort of external threats to the organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really like that piece around I am pro-communication. And I find that, again, if we talk about de-risking, it's the uncertainty, like if you'd rather it's the devil, you know, rather than the devil, you don't. So being able to do that, but then also managing that so you don't kind of give away the farm, speak too early. I sometimes have a bad habit of dropping ideas that might not be fully baked and that like it that can cause more confusion. So for leaders to make sure that if you are communicating, it is fully complete and that you close the loop around that. I find that super important. So Brittany, if we look back at your career. And you've had like a very cool experience of things. What was a big like aha uh-huh moment for you that kind of shaped how you view things? Like maybe you got your butt kicked, proverbially, and you're like, "Oh man, that was like a huge lesson that I learned that helps guide you in your role as a CEO." Now, if you have one of those moments, or probably a couple.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, let me choose which one would be the would be the best. I'll probably choose one from more more recently and around what you touched on previously in terms of how what and how you communicate to the organization um i learned very early on and it helped by our founder of our company so i i uh, the company was founded about 20 years ago and i i was of course not the founder and i joined in 2018 and our founder is phenomenal he was way ahead of the times in terms of having a live content offering like fun to join that type of organization but maybe about uh, three months. in, and I think he, 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 him and I laughed about this story before um, I had to like pull him aside and say, Hey, John, you're coming into meetings with ideas that you have, but you're dropping them and not realizing that when you drop them as CEO and founder of the company, like I'll be having a meeting in, about like a, uh, you know, a plan that we're going to implement over six months. And everyone just turns to what that idea is because you hold the power in that room. And I think that, and he's like, Oh, I got it. And he like immediately start stops. You know, kind of doing that, what I told him I was like, you kind of drop these tornadoes into like the meeting. And all of a sudden it's like we're all moving on a path and everyone starts pivoting towards this like idea bright and shiny idea. And even though I recognized that when I was in my position, I realized when I moved into CEO, like I did this the same thing. And I would um you know announce something to the team and be like, oh wouldn't it be cool if we did this or couldn't it be cool if like we went after like this new cohort? And all of a sudden three weeks later I would hear that like we had really ran down this path with in a direction that like, maybe wasn't what I was thinking. And I was like, Oh guys, I was just like saying that would be cool. <laughs> and and so I had to realize and take that step back, um, and say, you know, I think it's very obvious and we can recognize it if we're honest with ourselves as leaders, like that, we know that the team wants to really, I think if you're a good leader wants to please wants to overperform for, you know, for their team, for the company and for their leader. Um, and so it's recognizing that amount of power you have in, in, in conversations and, presenting those, uh, ideas before maybe they're fully, fully baked, um, or closing the loop. And so that's been a bit of a learning lesson and it continues to be, I think communication is, um, something that you can never perfect and it's a constant, um, work, but I had something that over time I've gotten better. At Cause I've seen myself run the team into the ground, like proverbially in terms of like, just being like very tired and exhausted, chasing after something that I I was like, oh, I didn't think that was a priority. I just thought it was kind of a cool idea. <laughs> and so, it's a bit of a hard lesson, but it's definitely something that um, I constantly remind myself before I, you know, shoot a slack off or say something in a meeting. It's like, how is this going to be interpreted? How much of a, you know, how do we communicate that this is could be an opportunity in the future, but it's not a pivot the ship now? And I think it's a, especially in an organization our size, we're right at about hundred employees, um, and we scaled that from. Thirty in 2018, so I know like most of the team has like been scaled directly and hired directly by me. It's so much easier for the team to get off track and pivot quickly, which can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse if you're not communicating correctly. And so that's been something that I continue to learn, but definitely has been a, a big learning lesson um, since uh, stepping into this role.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate you kind of putting yourself out there because it's it's not easy to, to look back. There's some real gold there, I, I heard. So one, again, just like recognizing, how do I want to start this? Recognizing for you as the CEO, what behaviors can have an impact? Uh, We talked earlier about risks and communication and transparency. I think also if we think of like both internal and external communication, when you signal something, the market will follow a signal. So that's a signal and people are following it. But the other thing I really heard out of that is that as a team member there was the trust and the structure for you to say, hey, I don't know if you realize that you're doing this and this is the impact. And so for your CEO at the time to have the, the foresight or the, the understanding to say, whoa, OK, cool, I thank you for that feedback and adjust it was, I imagine, able to keep you moving forward. A lot of people I talk to have meetings that spin around in circles. And it's often because people drop ideas and they go down the rabbit hole versus like staying focused and then using like a strategic planning session or something like that to take a step back and make sure that those potentially great ideas are executed in the right way. Did I capture what you meant to share?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that perfectly captured.
1: Perfect. That. Cool. So as we finish up here, what is... Uh, what is the last thing you'd like to leave with our listeners to help them both be successful in their life, in their businesses, and potentially with their finances?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that, well, for life and business, I think I can have um a bit more of a takeaway. The I know we've talked a lot during this about communication. My background prior to law school was in corporate communication. So I've I've have a really a heart and a huge belief in the importance of communication. The whether it's in business or in life, the importance of having those um, you know, crucial communications, communicating earlier and clearly is so important. And it's you, you can see when you look back, I mean, hindsight's 2020, 20, but typically when a project internally goes off the rails or um, in personal life, if uh, my husband doesn't do something that I, you know, in the way that I wanted to be done, I can almost point back to like where the communication broke down, like where there was not. Expectations weren't clearly set, where there wasn't buy-in and agreement on what we wanted the outcome to be in defining success. And so that's something that I'm extremely blessed from an organization standpoint to be surrounded by people that are significantly smarter than me, and that was extremely purposeful on our executive team. i I wanted a group of people that were significantly smarter and experienced than than I am as a as a young CEO. And something that I bring to the table and keep reinforcing with our organization is, when we leave with a decision we need, how are we going to measure whether this was successful or not? I'm extremely competitive. So I can joke with my team. I was like, how am I going to know if I won guys? Like I need a number or I need something that's specific. How do I know that I won? And then how are we checking in on that 30 days from now? Because that's something we did not used to do. We would launch something, we'd say we won or lost. And then it would almost go into this ether of like, did anyone go check on like if that's still running? And so I think that communication, setting expectations from the beginning, Sometimes can be very uncomfortable. I highly recommend the book *Crucial Conversations*. It has helped me a lot to have tools to, you know, bookmark other conversations. when They start coming up when we're setting expectations, but communicate, communicate, communicate. You can't do it enough. You can't do it too often, and you really can't set expectations, um, you know, too clearly. So uh, heavily lean, lean on that as a tool in, in my toolbox.
1: Very cool. I love that. I think everybody could benefit from from those things. One more question before people can connect with you: What is Sportable?
2: Yeah. So Sportable is a nonprofit um, organization that I was involved in in Richmond, Virginia. An amazing organization. I played uh, Division One sport in college, so I played lacrosse at Old Dominion, and have always looked for ways to stay involved in the athletic community. So I coached for a while, and then got involved with Sportable. Um, it helps to serve disabled physically disabled and um, visually impaired athletes and so there's different sports that the organization supports um, i did a lot with our visually impaired runners where you would uh could run tethered to a visually impaired runner and and um run races um, but we also had basketball tournaments and um, larger races in richmond so it was a phenomenal organization unfortunately since i'm not in that area anymore i haven't gotten to participate in in a few years, but highly recommend anybody that's in the Richmond area should look at getting involved.
1: Cool. I I thought I'd take the opportunity to give it a plug because I just, it looked really cool. And I was like, Oh, cool. I figured. I
2: I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a, it's a phenomenal organization.
1: Awesome. Check out Sportable in Virginia. Uh, Brittany, where can people connect with you and where can they learn more about your company?
2: Yeah. So um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. Um, That's where I'm most active. And then company, you can find us at simplertrading.com. So very easy to remember.
1: Awesome, Brittany. Thanks for being here today. It's been a blast. Uh, I wish you all the best in all of your future endeavors, including whenever, if you get back into lacrosse, but uh, it's been really (laughs) a, a pleasure chatting with you today.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. You too.
1: Folks, uh, thank you again to my guest, Brittany Burns, if, as you move forward with your organization, especially in what we'll call an uncertain time, being aware of your risk risk boxes, being aware of your communication, how to manage all of that set expectations will only help you become a better leader as you move forward. So I hope you got a lot out of today's podcast. Be sure to connect with Brittany and uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. So my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I appreciate you being here. I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.